This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ed is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 697 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 8th of October 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How goes it? How's things up in God's Zone? Uh, yes. <laughs> hot. Bloody still, hot. Oh, uh, it's, yeah, 32 today, 35 tomorrow. It's 20, probably still 32 there right now, right? 29. My Fitbit watch app, what I wrote, says 32 here tomorrow. Well, my mine says, I don't know, I can't read it. What is that? Um, this one is the Xiaomi Mi Fit. Oh. Uh, Mi Fit 5, actually. The new one has just come out. Um, uh, uh, it's hard to do one hand. That's the, that's the Mi Fit, and this is the Mi Unfit. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's um, it's a small, as you can see, it's a really small screen. But 1.1 inch, apparently. But um, nice. it's really nice. It works. It's really clear, really easy to read. It's got the... It's got the sensors and everything on the back there. It's got a magnetic charge, so you can, like, the charger just magnetically holds on the back of it. And, oh, that's sweet. I have um, to put mine in this little cradle and clamp it in, and then it doesn't sit up in the cradle. It sits upside down because the cradle doesn't hold it. And... Well, I 3D printed a mount for it. Nice. Um, so it actually, like, it just sits on the... With my old printer or your one? No, with yours. Nice. So you can't see because it's green. <laughs> <laughs> But trust me, there's a mount there that I printed for it. Um, and it's really good. It's the same as me talking about Frank's book last yeah, week. No, and you can see through the look. <laughs> uh, so the... Um, but I've got that and I've got the, um, the smart scales as well, which do all the, you know, everything else, the body fat and all that sort of stuff. Um, my scar- and then, smart scale was about $200 and my watch was about 500 and yours does so the same, if not more. My or... smart scales were $35 and my watch was 42 
and it's got all the app like it does all the all the tracking all the apps all the exercise stuff sleep monitoring the goal trackers it's got stress levels it's got um recommended exercise routines it's got plus you know all that sort of stuff and it has everything yours has as well like it does the um you can actually get smart shoes you can't see it on there but you can actually get smart shoes as well that it monitors (laughs) how much you walk and stuff as well um but it does all the, um, yeah, all that stuff. It does stress. It does. It's got a an app on it. So if you get, um, well, not an app, but a program on it. If you get stressed, you can actually run it, and it does a breathing exercise with you, and it it all just right. calms you down and and brings you your heart rate and everything back down. It sort of pulses and flashes and stuff, and just sort of resets your your brain a bit. And um, sleep tracking. Does sleep tracking? It does obviously exercise. It does heart rate. It does stress levels. It does oxygen level. That doesn't have the oxygen sensor. It's the only thing it doesn't have. Um, the Fitbits do. They but... just haven't activated it after two years <laughs> yet. And we're still waiting. So that's the only thing it doesn't have is the oxygen sensor. But that's coming in the next model apparently. Um, nice. It's got the like the route tracking. So if you do running or jogging or whatever, it tracks the route. It's got lap counters and everything. If it you're doing swimming. your route. Uh, it's waterproof to 50 meters. Um, it's got a... Well, I've had it on all... I had it on since this time last night and it was down to 90% um, battery. And I've got a lot of stuff activated that actually drain battery. Like I've got um, a lot of the... I've bumped up the thresholds on the timers for a lot of the stuff. So they're, they're monitoring more than by default. Right. It does take a couple of days to to get in sync. Like it... it measures your biometrics for a couple of days and gets more and more accurate as it goes um it does fit my wrist like literally just but it does fit my wrist which is unusual because nothing else does <laughs> like, even the the standard fitbit band doesn't fit my wrist right um it's got custom skins it's got customization on all the different uh how you got the apps laid out how you've done them how you're monitoring it all, what you see. Um, by default, if you just touch it, it shows you, your, like by default, it shows you the time, heart rate, um, and the date, I think, by default. But you can change all that. You can have it show, oh, it shows steps as well. But you can literally have, some of the screens for it are insane. Um, <laughs> what, the amount of information it can display at any one time. Um, and... It's also has a. Um, uh, it also has a, a program, an app on it that lets you um, mirror what's on your phone. Yep. So if you've got, say, you're going for a jog and or you're going for a run or you're going for a drive, and you've got a map of a certain one, you can actually display that on your on the band, so you can actually. Oh, nice. So you don't have to. I've not seen that before. Yeah, it does screen mirroring. It it only updates once every ten seconds. Oh, actually, you can do it once every, once every one second if you want to. You can do. You if you don't do like it, so. your battery much, it is a bit nasty. Uh, it's not too bad. Every ten seconds, it it's not too bad. But you start doing yeah, it once. One second, second would suck. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's um. But that in conjunction with the scales, it's your full. You know, your full workout that you need, and yeah. It's it's pretty neat. Um, I for the price, definitely can't fault it. Um, and you got them from Kogan, was it? I got them on Kogan. They're on sale. They're down. I mean, they're not that expensive normally. 
Um, it's the Xiaomi Fit Scale. Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, you can sort of see... Like, yeah, let's see, where are we? Switch to... Um, you can sort of see there's the different sort of skins it has there. Um, you can just basically put nothing on the screen and just have a picture if you want, or you can put a heap of stuff on the screen. You can put time and date and temperature. You stick a photo on there? You can put photos on it. Yep. You can do photos. Um, you can do... It's all customizable as well, so not only can you put a custom skin on it, you can customize that custom skin. Oh, right. Um... Yeah, it's it's pretty it's neat. Got a very yeah. lot of high reviews there. <laughs> oh yeah, it the it's I don't think anybody's said anything bad about it. Um let's see if I can find yeah, there's some of the You can swap out the bands too, you're saying. You can swap the bands. So there's some of the skins. <laughs> it's just like insane. No, this is Patrick. Yeah. Um and people are making obviously people are making skins for them. Brett wants um, to know where you get it from, go to kogan.com.au. Yeah, go to Kogan's the easiest place to get them. They've got all that sort of Rest. stuff there. But yeah, um, bands you can get. Uh, it, the band it's got is a silicon band, just a simple click on one. But you can get proper metal bands for them. You can get all sorts of stuff. Um, is the um, discount code still on? No, it finished at the start of the month. You, you could use um, Robot as a discount code. Um, I'll probably have another one. Yeah, most likely. But they're still, I mean, yeah, let me go and see how much they are now at the moment. Um, I'm going to Kogan and have a look. It's um, Brett can't find it on Kogan's so site. So simple. Um, me Fit. Let me look here. If you type in Me Fit 5, it's like the first thing that comes up. M-I-F-I-T. Um... I think it's the scales he's looking for. Oh, the scales. Composition, Smart Scale Com 2. Yeah, Smart Scale. Um, so the Mifits, the Mifits are currently like 55 bucks you can get them for. Yep. So they've gone up a little. Still a good deal. They've gone up like six bucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you can get the scale. Make sure you get the two because it's the Bluetooth. Um, Still $29. Bluetooth for there's two of them. There's a body composition scale two, and then which is that one there, which is sold out by the looks of it. I know that's three that, of them. There's one for twenty nine, one for thirty nine, one for fifty. So that's the standard smart scale. Yeah. That one there. That's not the composition one. So the composition one is the one that has um, the four pads on it. Uh. And it's a smart scale two comp composition one is the one you want to get. Which oh there we go smart scale two body composition sixty bucks. So they've gone up a little bit because they were only thirty nine. I think I got mine for. But even at that price, to, 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 for a hundred bucks to get a scale and a and a band. It's cheaper um, than the seven hundred I paid. Oh, it, it's it's nuts. <laughs> um, it really is. I'll I'll um. And, I mean, you look on the, there's so many hacks and, um, there's so many hacks and tweaks and adjustments and modifications and customizations and the amount of stuff that's 3D printable, as I said, like the stand I printed and there's a stand that actually has 
um, the charger port come in the back. One goes to the watch, and another one comes down the back, and it's designed for your phone. You can sit your phone on the same stand, and oh, right. like people have just been going nuts with these things, and they've only been out since July, I think. They're fairly new to come out. Wow, and see, cool. the scale does the um, it does the body fat, it does the um, balance test as well. So you close one eye, stand on one foot on the scale, and it tells you if your body's out of whack. Um, it does um, obviously hooks up to the app, so it works in conjunction with the works in conjunction with the the watch to give you your BMI and give you all that sort of stuff. Um, and you can use it. The other cool, it's actually got a low weight. Um, it's got a low weight sensor, so um, that you can um, if say you want to use it to measure 100 grams of flour or something in the kitchen I know it's a big scale but it is, runs on batteries but yeah it has a low weight option where it's actually sensitive to 50 grams so right. it's actually usable for small stuff as well which Is I thought was pretty cool. Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to your phone? Bluetooth 4. Right. Um, yeah, so is the, the, the band as well. It's Bluetooth 4. Um, and yeah, the charge can last up to... like If you turn there, just have everything on default settings with the default monitoring periods and everything like that. It lasts like 20 days on the, on the band. <laughs> so, but I this f- show is brought to you by Xiaomi. I wish it was. I tell you, <laughs> you go through and you look at the stuff they've got. I'd be more than happy for them to sponsor the, the show. I mean, if you want to be s- buying their phones next, yeah. Well, I am actually because mine's just about dead. <laughs> the um, if you want to get a slightly cheaper one, you don't want to spend sixty bucks. You can get the uh, the Band Three, the previous model, um, or the three or the four, which is the previous. Uh, hang on, that's the four. No, one of the five actually. So that link I put in the chat, guys, that was for the four, model four. You actually, the model five is the new one. Um, but uh, yeah, you can get the three and the four for so much for cheap as well, and they do almost everything the five does. This is a few little tweaks they've done to the five to make the steps more accurate, the heart rate's a bit more accurate, a few little bits and pieces like that. But nice. But yeah, no, it's definitely. Um, it's definitely worth the worth the the money if if it is something you're looking at doing. Which the weird part is, I didn't think I was. Um, yeah. I'll throw the uh, updated. That's the link to the five guys. Um, I didn't think I was sort of interested in it, but it's got, the other thing it's got. I didn't know it hadn't scared the crap out of me. Oh, all your notifications go to it. You can set which notifications you want it to get, so you can get none, or you can get Facebook, Gmail, like sends your phone calls notifications to it messages and you can actually read them on the screen on the um, Fitbit one I can set pre-assigned replies do they have that so you can reply from the watch too no um, well there's probably an app that'll do it because there's a heap of apps for it right, right, right. third party apps because it's open source there's so much stuff that people have done with them but by default yeah it displays all your notifications um, whatever you want it to display comes up calendar all that sort of stuff um, it's got yeah it's it's just the more you play with it, the more you realise it'll actually do. Um, the one thing I was just looking at, and I'm just trying to remember what it was I wanted to mention. Um, oh, it's what they call a PAI, which is it recommended exercise for the day. Um, but it's got um, events. Oh, yeah, it's got all the weather stuff, the workout stuff. Uh, the one thing I was going to look at 
uh, you can set alarms. You can set a do not disturb mode. Oh, you can use it as a camera, um, remote camera shutter for selfies <laughs> and stuff. You Jeez. can you can use it as a music player with shuffle and and everything for your music when you're jogging. It's got a built-in built stopwatch, built-in timer. Uh, it's got silent mode. Um, it's got yeah. That's what I mean. Like the more you play with it, the more you realise it can actually do. It's absolutely ridiculous. It really is. So well, I've just been uh, busy working on my Commodore sixty four game. If anyone's been following my Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere else, I've been spamming out a little bit of a demo of the title screen, and uh, got some arrivals today. Well, a couple of days ago, I got machine language for the Commodore sixty four from by Jim Butterfield, which is really good. He's a great writer and. Uh, 6502 assembly language programming by Lance A. Leventhal, which apparently Monsters Go Boom wanted that one, uh, but I got it and he got one with a different cover, exactly the same thing, but he wanted this one specifically and he got it from the same place that um, Simon got this one for me from and uh, he got a different cover that he wanted this one, so <laughs> he was a bit annoyed about that. But I also got uh, power supply for my Amigas ah. and they booted up. Yay. Yes. One's a 1.2 workbench, the other's a 1.3. So I've been reading online. It doesn't seem there's that much difference no, between them, but I'll lot. probably do most of the stuff in the 1.3. And it's got um, one of them came with the Amiga A501 memory expansion. Apparently, that's uh, faster than the third party other one I've got, which might be slow or fast RAM, but the A501 expansion memory is chip RAM, yep. which apparently they can use it with the graphics card or something to speed stuff in graphics chips. It uses, like, it, it, it's sort of like the old principle of having a mass coprocessor. It sort of, yep. it offloads what it needs to, to, to optimize so the I speed. So I can get yeah. the other one in, um, as a spare and maybe even <laughs> spare parts in the future, but um, Simon's sending me couple of missing keys that i had from it and today i actually took the cases off gave them a good scrub in the kitchen sink with some uh, detergent stuff and they've come up a lot nicer because just chucking so much grot and dirt and stuff over everything i popped all the keys off there which is going to be fun putting them all back <laughs> on again i can tell you but uh everything's been completely washed and they all boot up so i've got on the way is a gotech usb key drive which replaces your floppy drive and the front of it sticks out through, shows through the um, gap where your floppy drive, floppy disk normally goes into the floppy drive. So you take out your floppy drive and pack that away and you put this in instead. And then you can put a USB key in there, plug that in with any Amiga programs, including Workbench to boot off, and it'll do it all through there from your USB key. So don't worry about your old HD floppies that you probably can't get anymore. They but, are. Uh, you can do the whole lot through USB. Yeah, but then you won't you won't get to you know you won't get the the joy of the having uh, a great big box full of a hundred discs. Yeah, but you won't get now. The... Which is the one? Put it in there. Oh, that what that disc is degraded because it's thirty years old. Well, we can't use that one. But you, you don't get the joy of this either. <laughs> the clicking, yeah. The the Amiga. This drive has such a unique sound yeah. compared to any it's other kind of like floppy Commodore drive. Commodore 64 had its unique sound you could listen to. Yeah. The uh, VZ200 emulator that uh, Guy Thomason did so I can play my old VZ games on Windows, he sampled the, disc, the floppy drive 
sound as it's reading and, and he put that into his emulator so you can turn that on and listen to it go, <laughs> that's cool so that's always a lot of fun but i never had an amiga so the noise is uh i'm familiar with it but it doesn't have that much nostalgia so um uh, if you can, have so much fun if you can find like the actual proper amiga discs that had like original amiga software on them those bloody discs are indestructible. I've seen them right. go through fires. I've seen them seen Whoa. them go through fires. Yeah, if you I pause the video, it doesn't do that. Um, I've seen them like get dragged through, you know, mud and dishwashers and washing okay. machines, and they just go in and they boot up and they make that cl- head clashing sound for about four <laughs> hours and they load every single time. It's just they're an but indestructible. Can they play music like the Commodore 64 drive did? That's yeah. what I want to know. Yeah, they, there was actually a music. Yeah. Ah, uh, nice. Um, there was, I had one. Um, I had a music app for it. You could program it. Um, I can't Simon's it saying now. that the uh, Commodore 64 Ultimate that you can buy now is an emulator. It emulates the floppy sound. Which runs and it emulates the floppy drive sound. Because <laughs> that's something you need. No, I'm sorry. That There's a point where... Where... I'm sure the GoTech can probably do something. <laughs> the, 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 there's a whole. It's not just the noise; it's the whole experience that experience. goes with it. It's yeah. the the click of death when you get like three clicks in a row. You know that it stopped loading, and then you get like all these different noises that you know exactly what the machine's doing. They're not just that was random my zip sounds. drive that had the click of death. Oh, the click of death! Yeah, the zip drives and the jazz drives. Jazz, yeah, <laughs> they were worse. Uh... <laughs> Half of those failed, brand new out of the box, and the. Uh, there was a whole period where Mac store drives, they had the click of death straight out of the box. Since we've got all the guys from the UK Discord that I hang out on listening, I'll say that I, I got my, um, I've talked about this on Old Fart Geeks and probably this show as well, um, parallel port mm-hmm. uh, zip drive. I was working at a <coughs> shop in Sydney, a computer shop, and uh, some guy brought it back because his antivirus had given a false positive on the driver installed disk and said there was a virus on there. So he brought it back, but it wasn't in the box and everything was just shoved in this bag and he brought it in. And the manager is like, well, we can't really <laughs> sell this. So does any, any of you staff members want this cheap? I was like, yes, Amiga disk, uh, Amiga <laughs> zip drive. I'll have that one knocked off like 40 bucks or something because it was used. And suddenly I got this and I was putting all my stuff on there. It's fantastic. I never understood. I get why they had parallel, but still, I never understood why a drive that was already like 10 times faster than a floppy drive at data transfer could be crippled with a parallel port. <laughs> <laughs> Which was slower than a floppy drive data transfer anyway. Like, what was the point? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I've ever had a SCSI anything. No SCSI hard I've, drives. I've had, few, I've had a few SCSI things. Uh, well, You're a bit plus, scuzzy. Yeah, plus two, if you dealt in the early Apple architecture, you had no choice because everything was scuzzy. Um, yep. But no, I've had a few. I've had a few scuzzy. Um, back in the old day, when I wanted bulk storage, the only option was scuzzy. You didn't really have a choice. Uh, RAID wasn't a thing, or not yep. reliable anyway. You, you, we we actually had a scuzzy tower. We had. Um, uh, I think the, if I remember correctly, the addressing allowed us to do eight eight banks of eight drives in a that's all it purely did it had a scuzzy card with an addressing card and then eight eight banks of eight drives i'm pretty sure it was was the limitation on scuzzy ah. um and each one of those drives if i'm not mistaking was 
the brand new just released 500 meg Seagate drives that were the fastest thing available at the time. Sweet. <laughs> so we ended up with what's 64. So we ended up with what 32 gig of data, <laughs> of data in this server that like acted like a hovercraft across the bench because there was so much vibration. <laughs> <laughs> So the only things I've got to do is somehow get a mouse to work with it. Now you can get adapters so you can plug in a PS2 yep. mouse. You only get a single or button. Or but... a USB mouse, which emulates a PS2 mouse. Apparently the Microsoft Intelli mouse does. Yeah. Um, because I looked around for an Amiga mouse and they're selling them for hundreds of dollars. On the are, course. But big... you can buy them from like Poland and Ireland and stuff, mm. and I might get it next century if I'm really. There is also a very, very, very hard to get Amiga mouse, and I had two, and I'm wishing I had have realized how much they are worth. And they actually had. Um, this is going to destroy the camera, but on the bottom of the mouse now we've got an optic sensor. In the yeah. old days, there used to be a ball back here. Yeah. But this particular one actually had two wheels, 45 degrees offset to each other back oh, here. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd move it across the pad. And the yep. wheels would roll. Um, oh, nice! And the the thing was and called your hair a, gets stuck in it, right? I, I think it was called a drafting. You have to clean out your mouse because it's got hair stuck in the rollers. Well, there was two. There was that one, and the one that's even rarer had an optical sensor, not a laser. And the yep. mouse pad was made up of one mil by one mil grids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen them. Yep. Yeah. If you can get those. Good luck to you. They're impossible to find, but they were took that like they used to use them for architecture because they were so super accurate. A lot of them even had an attachment that went on the front of them. Yep. The the one I actually had had the mouse cable at the back, and the front of it had an attachment with a crosshair on it. Yeah, so you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen so you could yeah. actually perfectly line up your, your crosshairs as a drafting mouse. <laughs> and I only ever saw it for the Amiga. And um, had I known how much they were worth, I would never have got rid of them. But a mate of mine needed a mouse, so I knew you go. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about it. So, and I'll have you know, it's not actually a ball that went in those mice, but it was a hard-boiled egg. You had to boil the egg first, and then take the yolk part out. And anyway, it was um, your, or it was your marble. It was the um, what are they called? The the clonk, clonkers, whatever they were. The big marbles. Yeah. <laughs> That's a UK thing. If I ever heard one. And the other thing is outputting video. Now I can do composite, which mm -hmm. is lovely black and white. And that works with my LCD TV, but color, you can get a video converter, Microbee, uh, Ewan, who runs the Microbee store in Melbourne that I visited that time we did the interview with on Old Fart Geeks. He sells a video converter that's like 150 bucks or something. I've got one here. And you can uh, like output from your Amiga and it'll go into the LCD TV or... Um, there's a few other ways. If you've got an LCD TV that happens to handle a 15 hertz sync, apparently there's very few of them, but some of those do. I was watching a 1084S monitor on eBay yesterday and it went for $300. And I was like, my free Amigas are starting to get a bit expensive because the GoTech's like $80. The power supply was like $100, including shipping. Then I've got to get a mouse adapter. Then, yeah, so we'll see how I go. But I'm apparently you can get RGB out to SCART TV, and they're, I think, quite popular in the UK and most of Europe. But we don't have much SCART stuff over no, here. The only thing I ever had that had SCART was my Foxtel uh -huh. box. This and the output through SCART and the JB Hi Fi guy 
got me an upsell because I didn't know what he was talking about. Managed to sell me SCART out through gold tipped plugs. Monster cable. That went, in, went into the components. So, this is what you want easy cap USB, 10 bucks. And it, yep. you can get them in AV, S video, and SCART. And they capture directly to USB. Ah. That's all you need. How do I get the a USB key into an Amiga that doesn't have USB? No, your, your video out cable goes into here. So ah. whether you want to use AV, whether you want to use S-Video, or you can get one in a SCART configuration, or an RGB yep. configuration. And this just goes into a USB port in your PC, so you can capture it and you can display it on the screen in real time. Oh, I see. So use your PC through yep. video card as the display. Yeah. Yep. And they're about 20 bucks. J-Car, SCART anything. Yep. Scout the world. We got, we got a, we got, we don't have J car. We have J car, which is a um, appliance shop that has this tiny little section over there with a little counter that's got some J car stuff in it, but not very much at all. It depends on which one you go to. The one we've got here is actually really big. Um, yeah, they do have big ones, there. but I have little town. Yeah. And I think the computer guy who fixed up a couple of things for me does some J car stuff. So I would probably just walk into him and say, where can I get some of this? And he said, I'll order it in for you and double the price. No worries. Yeah, I think um, that's the problem with J-Car. They're insanely expensive. They're, they're sort of the no, thing not, we... not them. Him specifically no. because he's got me trapped in a tiny little town that doesn't have bugger all. But I mean, J-Car's stupid expensive anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because they're like eBay, but you need it now. <laughs> yeah. So they're like 10 times the price. So. But people are like, you can, you know, you can buy a, a adapter from uh, Greece or Germany or the UK that lets you plug your PS2 or USB mouse into an Amiga. I'm like, yes. And with the current shipping, I should get it after Christmas. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to tell. <laughs> Some of it's ridiculous at the moment. Uh, so, yep. Don't forget, uh, you can support us at patreon.com over to Mr. T. Thanks for that. So yeah, you can do patreon.com slash Aussie Techheads, which is uh, where we have a few people eating. See down the bottom of uh, the other ticker. So if you're watching us on video, um, you, you, there's uh, there Kate. your name. Yeah, Kate and uh, Bouncy Ellis Cole and uh, Daniel and Amanda D. And uh, who else have we got? David Bird and uh, Chris. Um, we also have a coffee account. We're not going to force you to pronounce the no. No, they changed it. <laughs> um so, and we have a Kofi account, uh, or a coffee account, KO-FI, um, which once again, it's you can get us there on um, slash Aussie Techheads, KO-FI.com slash Aussie Techheads, and that's sort of like Patreon, a little different. Um, you don't have to subscribe. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a, yeah, it, it's an intermediate step. It doesn't have the perks uh so much either but it, you know they don't charge us as much as <laughs> this that uh and of course you can just do um if you wish to just do what um uh blah, 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 where are we i'm looking at the wrong screen that's why that? if you wish to do like what andrew has done you can just directly um do a paypal a one-off paypal donation if you want to do that um and that is um uh paypal uh what is it I've got to wait for it to come up on the ticket now because I can't remember what it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's Glenn's. Oh, why is the ticker broken again? Nah, I'll fix that later. Starting again. Um, yeah, it's not working the way it's supposed to. 
But anyway, glennat.aussietechheads.com.au is the PayPal account if you wish to just do Send a one-off donation. Your, uh, paycheck this week. <clears throat> yeah. Now, don't forget, guys, that it's not, you know, obviously not compulsory. That We're going to continue to do the show, but it does give us more of an incentive to, to do it, bump up the production values. Um, currently, it's helping with... Um, with some hosting stuff and, and hosting some of the things and our restreaming service and stuff like that. And um, in the future, hopefully, we can get Glenn a new PC that he's able to actually, you know, do two things at once, like record audio and video simultaneously. It's probably a Spectrum, <laughs> that's why it doesn't do too well. I heard they they weren't really good computers. <laughs> they weren't great for video. It's probably a, a vet, a, um, what do they call it, a, a, a Vectrix. He's worried about <laughs> Color Clash. <laughs> so, but... Um, Time to do some noose. We can do some moose. Spurred mm, by Brexit, London is backing companies that will build satellites and haul them into orbit. Cornwall, in England's far southwest, is known for antique fishing villages and snug cliff-lined beaches. Soon it may be the scene of something very different, a small but growing space industry. One day in a year or two, a modified Boeing 747 is expected to lift off from the long runway at the region's airport, head out over the Atlantic Ocean and soar into the stratosphere. There, a rocket will drop from below a wing, fire its engines and ferry a load of small satellites into orbit while the plane returns to the airport. After six years of planning and fundraising, construction of Bare Bones Spaceport budgeted about £22 million. is beginning this month at the airport in Newquay. The anchor tenant is expected to be Virgin Orbit, a part of Richard Branson's Virgin Universe. Its selling point, putting satellites into orbit via aircraft can be done faster and with less infrastructure than earthbound rockets. It plans to bring its 747, called the Cosmic Girl. Ah, Jamiroquai. <laughs> what a great reference. I love that song. And other gear being tested in the Mojave Desert to Britain with the help of 9.5 million from the UK Space Agency. At the beginning, people laughed at us, said Melissa Thorpe, head of engagement for Spaceport Cornwall, the developer. Took a lot of work to convince a lot of people. Among the better arguments, the Spaceport, which is owned by the local government, could eventually provide 150 good jobs in what, despite its charm, is a region dependent on low-paid seasonal work from tourism. Britain is doubling down on the always risky space business after, some would say, years of neglect. Besides Cornwall, the government is putting money behind several other potential launch sites, including one in the remote north coast of Scotland, which is being tailored for an environmentally friendly rocket to be manufactured nearby. This is all new for a country that does not have deep history of rocketry or launching satellites into space. The case for spaceports in Britain is far from proven. In fact, some analysts say they're already too many such facilities, including in the United States. I was going to say there's too many facilities in Cornwall, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I mean, saying the spaceport Cornwall just sounds so wrong, not exactly known for its tech sector. No, when I think of Cornwall, and admittedly, this is an outsider looking in, but when I think of Cornwall, space technology is not something that comes to mind. <laughs> We're going down to farm. <laughs> Watch out for the cows. Yeah, that, that's that's more like what oh, I... Oh, they're going to hate me now listening to me doing a terrible accent like that. Uh, no, it really was terrible accent, so yeah, <laughs> that was bad even for you. But yeah, no, I, it's something I, I don't... It's not, yeah, I, I can see it now. It's going to be just like this. There's going to be a like a wheelie bin with a cone on top of it in the middle of a field, and they're going to be, look, our space program. <laughs> <laughs> 
Newquay Airport too, it's a strip of grass with a cliff at the end, says John. <laughs> well, you know, if you're launching off into space, it doesn't matter if there's a cliff at the end because you're going to be flying, right? So well, no problem. It's, it's, it's a, it's a wind-to-fail ratio, see? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of space... Oh, there's a RAF base near Newquay. I wonder if it's going to be from there. Yeah, they have to be close, you'd think. They don't want to have to drive too far. Um, Back to your segue I ruined. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm used to it. <laughs> um, Elon Musk, SpaceX Starlink broadband public beta ready to go after latest launch. <clears throat> so we're talking last week about how, um, or the week before, whenever it was, how um, they were using their, their Starlink to help with the disaster relief and stuff like that. And, but they've decided to open up the public now. Um, they've just put... Uh, they've got 60 more satellites they've just put up recently, uh, which I think is... I can't remember exactly how that is. Now 100 and, uh, 775, I think. No, they launched 775. There 728 remain in orbit. They oh. crash-tested a few of them just to make sure they'd disintegrate and dissolve the way they're supposed to and not like take out a city or something um but they're all on linux which is interesting but uh, after several days delay spacex has finally launched its 12th satellite mission which brings the internet beaming satellite constellation to just under the 800 and needs to deliver moderate coverage in north america uh with its latest launch uh from florida which they got in lucky because there's a cyclone happening there at the moment um they have launched a 775th yeah linux powered satellites you don't um, want a blue screen of death on your satellite <laughs> when it's thousands of miles from the Earth. So today, on Tuesday, successful launch, SpaceX had um, scrubbed four attempted launches due to bad weather, which is not surprising this time of year. It's like kind of a bad year to be launching stuff. Um, the More importantly, for broadband staff potential customers in the US, the last batch of 60 Starlink satellite clears away for public beta uh, one of these satellites reached their target position and be able to roll out fairly wide beta in northern uh, US and hopefully southern Canada. Other countries to follow as soon as we see regulatory approval, which is what's holding them up here because we suck. Uh, <laughs> it's been running in private beta since July in northern US, um, but it's going to, that was limited largely to SpaceX employees. Uh, it's prioritized emergency services, obviously. Been using end uh, user terminals for connectivity since August and fire ravaged areas <clears throat> so the public beta means um, Starlink customers who are looking to ditch subpar broadband traditional satellite services and mobile broader broadband substitutes will have a chance to test SpaceX satellites so basically um, to be testing it you need to have dodgy in that um, and then they'll let you test it <laughs> so um, they want obviously you know, they reckon you're going to well, average... what Simon was saying, New Key doesn't have the internet yet, so then maybe they'll use it for their space stations. <laughs> um, they, the average um, performance tests are showing, on average, users are getting a roughly 100 meg uh, download uh, and about 40 meg upload. Which with... is a lot more than most of Australia at the time. But they're getting 18 milliseconds latency, which is just ridiculous for satellite like that that's that's huge well that's very little i should say like normally satellite latency can be up to a second or two like full second latency this is this is 18 this is faster than most broadband connections you don't want to play rainbow siege on australia's normal satellite you don't want to play it on their normal internet (laughs) (laughs) 
You'll be dead before you log in past the it, front screen. It's, it's really true. That's it, absolutely nuts. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that, that they haven't. One thing I can't find anything on. No, not that I've really looked at it. I noticed nobody's sort of mentioning much about uh, pricing at this stage, um, which is which I guess is odd. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they've probably mentioned it somewhere, but it doesn't seem to be. I guess it's not really a big deal. It's probably going to be comparable with fixed anyway, because Elon's good at that. So yeah. we'll see. Now you know how terrible Australia's government is at doing a census or getting people to vote or doing their taxes online or even just trying to claim unemployment and stuff when all the servers keep crashing in and they go, oh, it was a DDoS, damn those hackers, instead of we didn't provision enough and the servers went down as they always did. Well, here's one for the UK. The health secretary has said a technical glitch that saw nearly 16,000 COVID-19 cases go unreported in England should never have happened. The error meant that although those who tested positive were told about their results, their close contacts were not traced. By Monday afternoon, around half of those people <clears throat> who tested positive had yet to be asked about their close contacts. Labor said the missing results were putting lives at risk. Experts say ideally contacts should be tracked down within 48 hours. The technical error was caused by some Microsoft Excel data files exceeding the... So they're not storing it on the server. They're storing thousands of people's COVID details in a Microsoft Excel document. Uh, that seems fine. Some Microsoft Excel data files exceeded the maximum size after they were sent from NHS tests and traced to Public Health England. It meant 15,841 cases between the 25th of September and 2nd of October were left out of the UK daily case figures. PHE said the error itself, discovered overnight on Friday, has been fixed and outstanding cases have been passed on to traces by one BST on Saturday. But Health Secretary Matt Hancock told MPs the incident in Seoul had not been resolved, with only 51% of those whose positive test results were caught up in the glitch now reached by contact traces. So I guess they've opened a new Can Microsoft Excel document <laughs> That's to be able save to... Save as new file. <laughs> cut, cut out the first thousand people, save it off to this one. Cut out the next thousand, save it off to a different Excel. Oh, man. So, oh, and no password, apparently. So, <laughs> good on you, UK government. You're as good as ours, which is not good at all. Well, they, they just they just locked the cells. Yeah. <laughs> Administrative lock on the cells so they couldn't... <laughs> just like a text document in Windows, right, Mr. T? <laughs> uh, it's, um, yeah. Bloody ridiculous. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a glitch of a glitch. <laughs> <laughs> um... According to a top EU court, uh, found mass surveillance methods are unlawful, which, duh, but it could jeopardise the free flow of data. Um, <clears throat> the data disaster is looming for every business and our snooping laws are to blame. Now, this is based primarily for the UK, uh, once the UK leaves the, the block, but um, it doesn't... We we follow very similar guidelines, so if it's, if it's going to happen to them, it's probably going to happen to us. But this is a pretty in-depth article. But basically what it's saying is the law effectively gives the government agencies and powers to carry out bulk interception and collection of communications data. Um, it requires ISPs to retain their data's activities for up to 12 months. 
So we we had something similar this a while back, but this is becoming like it's not just now snooping on your internet history. It's your phone calls. It's your Facebook. It's your Zoom. Like, and this is the thing. It's the, they're basically saying now it's any form of communication needs to be stored. So can you imagine how impossible it would be to store twelve months of Zoom calls? And they also don't care about password or encryption because we know how much governments hate encryption. <laughs> so somebody is going to be able to get into that data just as much as they've gotten into all of the servers around the world, got people's social security numbers, passwords, <clears throat> name, age, credit card details, etc. Yeah, and I mean, I get it that, that, well, I get they use the guise of, oh, we're stopping terrorists and we're stopping pedophiles and we're stopping... Won't somebody please you know, think of the children? Yeah, all that sort of garbage, which is just the way to make the public lap up whatever they do. But here's the issue we're going to have. Not only is it going to be a burden for um, ISPs who have to now store all the data of the traffic, but it's going to be a burden on all the program providers as well who want to service that area. So the two choices are is figure out a way how to store 12 months worth of video conferencing for millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of conferences or don't allow that service into a country that just monitors it anyway. So this is what they're saying. This is where there's going to be a huge disaster looming because companies like um, like Zoom, like Skype, like and I mean even Facebook is is going stupid anyway now with and google's gone nuts with this new media thing that's going on anyway and it, it's literally going to get to the point where we now have an internet but we can't use anything because nobody will provide a service to this country because of the way the laws are written kind of like what happened to the blackberry servers when they went to some countries and had to give up the encryption keys which nobody else got mm. so that the country could spy on it and it was kind of the downfall of blackberry after that because they prided themselves on being Secure. secure data store for yep. uh, emails and what have you and then suddenly it's like well we have to give up the keys to it now nothing's secure and uh yeah and you know this is this is the thing like it's like well you know at what point do and and this is the thing like i noticed russia last week introduced it now saying that uh vpns are banned This is the, the the depth of the stupidity of the government. A VPN, a virtual private network that cannot be accessed at either end because it's encrypted from end to end and it follows phony servers, is illegal because they can't trace it. Yet, if they can't trace it, how can they enforce the fact that it's illegal because they can't <laughs> find it in the first place to trace it? Ah, it's just China like, <laughs> all over again. Oh, it makes China look good sometimes. <laughs> like at least people in China know where they stand China yeah. is the government comes out and goes you can't do this you can't do this and if you do this we're going to watch you yeah. and everyone goes we're just going to use a VPN and China goes yeah that's cool but just don't do it where we can see it don't do it out in the open <laughs> you know like but here they're like well not only can't you do it in the open don't do it in private either like that your front and back door leave them open so that we don't have to knock them down we can literally just walk in at 2 o'clock in the morning and see what you're up to mass surveillance so yeah basically it's um effectively what what's 
being brought to people's attention is it may be possible sooner rather than later that um, the internet literally fails to be the internet yeah. through legislation. And given that the whole point of the internet in the first place was freedom of information. Um, <laughs> Isn't it ironic, don't you think? I think that kind of may have gotten forgotten somewhere along the way. It's like so. rain on your wedding day. Wait. No, that's not <laughs> well, we Cisco have really, really cold, been... windy weather. Does that count? <laughs> Cisco has been hit with a massive $1.9 billion patent infringement bill for copying cybersecurity tech from Centripetal Networks and pushing the company out of lucrative government contracts. No. The network switchmaker infringed four patents, the Virginia court decided on Monday, but since the infringement was willful and egregious, the judge multiplied the $756 million owed by 2.5 to a total fine of one billion eight hundred eighty nine million. Oh, <laughs> let me start. Oh, one point eight billion anyway, with interest. <laughs> Cheap. Cisco faces a hefty one point nine billion payable in a lump sum due on the judgment date. The court said the four patents are. You can look those up. It's irrelevant. And that's not all. The court also imposed a royalty of ten percent of some of Cisco's products for the next three years, and five percent for three years after that. The royalty must be at least 168 million and no more than 300 million for the first three years and between 84 million and 150 million for the next three, the judge said. Even though the sums are massive, they're far from ruinous and represent about three months of profit for Cisco. So, pocket change they found down the back of the couch. Networking giant also has a massive cash pile of roughly $30 billion that the total bill will barely eat into. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of that going on lately. We're suing you because we can't innovate. So, give me some of your money. Yep. I mean, copyright and 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 IP IP stuff in software in IT yeah. industry in general is flaky. <laughs> it's <laughs> really, really. Yeah. Everybody just tries everything they can to see what happens, and sometimes they'll strike it lucky and catching pretty much um patent all the things you can ever think of and make it so widely based that it can be applied to anything that yeah and, and this is the thing like uh, back in the old day a patent had to be something that <sighs> had to be something that you could physically like you didn't have to make it but it had to be something you could physically explain like, you know, this is how a trailer hitch is made or this is how I want to make a car. You know, like you can physically explain that componentry. But when you get to software and and IP and hardware I'm and gonna, internet I'm going to patent a thingy that when it connects to the thingy, it does a thingy and then a thingy pops up and said you did the thingy. pretty much literally exactly what they're saying. Like it, Millions it, of dollars. Yeah, it's so it's so hard to do, but I don't know. But um, the I don't know if we were talking about it in the pre-show or at the start of the show, but anyway, McAfee, um, <laughs> good old Jeez, that good, guy. Good old John. isn't he a riot? He's great for a laugh. Oh, he's if he's not in trouble, he's causing trouble. I tell you. If, if he's not <laughs> sniffing bath salts off the back of models and then shooting <laughs> them with a gun. But I will tell you what's funny, and it, oh, what, okay, so out of all the things he's done. Okay, whether he's been in a 
political activist, whether he's been a, a, an activist for this or an opponent of that or opposition of this or someone who agrees with something else. Barcelona, what was this a couple of days ago? I think it was. Software creator John McAfee indicted for fraud in the United States was jailed pending extradition procedures after being arrested in Barcelona for tax fraud. That guy from Barcelona. <laughs> everything this guy's done and everyone is annoyed and everything is said and everything has happened and all the... Murdering his neighbour, perhaps. <laughs> and, like, you know, rigging bitcoins and <laughs> he gets done for tax fraud. Like... <laughs> Is that just like the absolute worst way to go out? Like it's like seriously, guys. <laughs> uh, it's just funny. I just I don't know. Um, and I saw there was there was a story that he's also getting charged for advertising Bitcoin on Twitter. Yeah, because yeah, that was, that was something weird. That yeah. Now he said he was going to eat a particular part of his body, <laughs> appendage, if Bitcoin wasn't going to make like $500,000 by this time last year. Yeah, did that happen? No, he's been too busy running from the cops lately. <laughs> yes, Judge. <laughs> this man actually is dickless. <laughs> Not by choice, but by his, his own admission. <laughs> uh, Good on you, Johnny. Oh, dear. Keep us entertained for years to come, that guy. That's... We always will go with something a bit funny. Security. What, that wasn't funny enough for you? (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep it going. Security flaw found in a high-tech chastity belt for men made it possible for hackers to remotely lock all the devices in use simultaneously. (laughs) Curie's cellmate chastity cage is sold online for about $190 and marketed a way for owners to give a partner control over access to their body. Pen... Pen... Pen, penetration test pen test partners <laughs> <laughs> about 40,000 devices have been sold based on the number of IDs that have been granted by its Guangdong based creator <laughs> the cage wirelessly connects to a smartphone by a bluetooth signal which is used to trigger the device's lock and clamp mechanism but to achieve this, the software relies on sending commands to computer server used by the manufacturer. The security researchers said they discovered a way to fool the server into disclosing the registered name of each device owner, among other personal details, as well as the coordinates of every location from where the app had been used. In addition, they said they could reveal a unique code that had been assigned to each device. These could be used to make the server ignore app requests to unlock any of the un- only of the identified chastity toys they added leaving wearers locked in. The Sex Toys app has been fixed by its Chinese developer after a team of UK security professionals flagged the bug. They've also published a workaround. This could be useful to anyone still using the old version of the app who finds themselves locked in as a result of an attack and making use of a revelation. Uh, any other attempt to cut through the device's plastic body poses a risk of harm. Now... Yes. You're going, where are you going to go? There you go. Go on. I'm waiting. <laughs> I think we've gone about everywhere we could go with that one. It's It, it was granted by the Guangdong based creator. I mean, well, I mean it's, what a perfect no. name for a city. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing on that. 
Speaking of dongs, Microsoft 365. Um, it's down again. Yeah. Mm. Outlook's been down. Um, I just changed with the stupid page. What? what? Uh, play your name now. No, it went to the story for like 10 seconds and goes, oh, you finished reading and here, have the next story. Excuse <laughs> me? No. <laughs> um, Microsoft, yeah. So they have been having cloud services with their... Um, Azure and 365 servers for about two weeks. We're going on three weeks now. Mm. Um, <clears throat> sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes the documents say they're saving and they don't. Sometimes the documents are saved and you can't get back to them. Um, so this whole cloud thing is working out fantastic for Microsoft. <laughs> but the problem is it's not only Microsoft 365. It's primarily affecting their Outlook and Exchange servers. So emails are not just being like not delivered they're like being lost completely oh, um, they're, dis they're disappearing off servers they're disappearing out of inboxes they're disappearing in off people sending them and never being received and the drafts aren't being saved and right. so yeah there's just stuff completely missing um, but also with their um, Azure stuff and of course don't forget they've got all their web hosting and their storage online storage there's been reports of files and documents missing from online storage. So, yeah. So you backup may want people, <laughs> not just the cloud. I mean, the cloud is not your backup Before copy. we had backup home and then send a copy to the cloud for safe, now you're doing it all in the cloud. You need to back it up at home on your NAS, Stuart. It, was it Stuart or no? Whoever <laughs> it was, yeah. Andrew. Andrew. Had a NAS. Back it up the cloud onto your NAS or the home network. Yeah, well, I mean, like... it might get lost if it's <clears> on the cloud because the cloud's just other people's computers and if they go down... Mm -hmm. And don't rely on their backups to be reliable. Yeah. Because um, they may not... Although, theoretically, they should be, but they may not be. Um, I mean, our... Yeah, I mean, obviously, all the shows that I record, I record locally. So I've got a copy of them on my recording drive, which is an SSD. And then I back those to my backup drive locally on my PC, which is just a spinning disk, but that's my backup drive. And then I've also got my NAS that I back up everything off my PC onto my NAS. And then I actually have a second NAS in my shed. So worst case scenario, the house burns down. I've got a copy, mirrored copy of everything off this NAS out in my shed that I back up. Oh, I probably should do it more if I don't do about once a month because it's only via Wi-Fi and it takes forever. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, and then, like, I don't use cloud backup at all now because when I was using cloud backup, I was having nothing but trouble getting my files back if I ever needed to restore them. Backing them up was fine, but one of the hosts I was using would only let me restore one file at a time, ah. which is handy when you have several hundred thousand files. That's that's great. That's, that's exactly how you want to back your... Your data, restore your was data. Yours, was yours a QNAP? I'm just trying to... I'm, uh, I can't actually see it Mine's Synology. Synology is brilliant. Mine's a Synology. Mine was a model after yours, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's got the uh, dumbed-down uh, CPU that can't transcode video, so I have to have another computer to do the flexing stuff. But yeah, you I, want to have one that's got a CPU that can handle it. I can't remember, it exactly, right. I can't remember exactly what mine is off the top of my head. I'll, have to, I'll, have, I'll look after the show for you. But uh, Synology is brilliant. It's simple. It's easy. It works. Yeah, it works. It's Linux. 
you plug another drive in there, it just goes and does the stuff magic. You don't even need to know how mine's a Mine's a dual drive, so I've got two drives mirrored, so they're both... They're, they're both sharing the same data. So if one of the drives fails, I've still got all that data on the other drive. So theoretically, I should never lose data. Um, yeah, I've got um, four hard drive case, but I've only got two yeah. two terabyte drives in there. Mine's, yeah, well, mine, mine does that. It allows... I can actually do two USB 3 drives They have at well. least three for redundancy. There's no... There's, mirrored is not brilliant. It's okay, but if you've got three, then it writes copies of the files all across everything and it's much safer. i mean two is pretty good like it's it's all it's almost impossible to lose all your data if you've got a mirror drive but three yeah is, is definitely better but even my pc same thing i've got two like i've got two ssd drives as my c drive that are mirrored for for redundancy and then i've also got two spinning disk d drives that are my mirrored as well so the system only sees two physical drives but there's four drives in my pc so i'm backing up double backup off my c double backup off my d then my nas also double backs up and then my nas in the shed has another double backup so i've actually got eight copies of a file at any one time yeah and And somehow with with the synology if you you can get it set it up to send your emails and stuff so it does Mm. monthly reports and stuff tells you how the hard drives are doing if it's getting too full if anything's degrading or got problems and if you have a drive fail and one drive is still good, you just pull that drive out, whack another one in there, turn it on, and it auto-builds and restores all your data. Basically, yep. you don't have to do anything. And with mine, I've got an app on my phone. It can back up my phone. It can back up on my photos, my videos, everything directly off my phone. I can access the NAS directly off here um, if I want to restore something or copy a file to my phone. Uh, I can also do a um, run a VPN. I run Nord VPN through my NAS. Um, and I also have... You can run like office suites on there. You can run lots of stuff on it, yeah. Um, comes with a lot of programs you can do. But the other main thing I do is um, I run um, uh, P2P off it. Yeah. Um, for, um, it's my main download server for Torrents. So it, yeah. I can literally log into it through the web browser interface and access it as I would my own computer. But the neat part is because the NAS is always on, once I've started the file downloading, I don't have to worry about it. It just does the, does its thing. And I can... Can you also use it for like a um, local time capsule backup from your Macintosh? I used to use that when I had a personal Macintosh. I've got the work one now, so it's all taken care of automatically. But you can use it to back up your time capsule there so you can have local copies of those. Um mm. FTP servers, news servers. It's it's quite so cool and very customizable. You, there's so much stuff you can do with it. Mine's got Couch Potato and stuff on which I don't really use, but it is handy because it does do mine being the model above. Um, Warlocks actually does do hardware and coding for video. So if I play it on a mobile device or something like that, it doesn't try and stream the file and rely on the device to decode it. Like I, I've got a yeah, dumb TV that I can literally just stream straight to the TV. Um, but most of the stuff I do, I just use it as a like ninety five percent of its use gets used as a file server. Hmm. That, that's you know, uh, other than watching movies off it from the lounge room. Um, as I said, does a bit of a bit of file sharing, but it's predominantly a file server. That's uh, you know, and you, you can even you know, run a Minecraft server on <clears> it. <throat> Not a very good one though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a very. Good keep one. up. Times changed. 
Have you have you overloaded? Overload? Help! Hey, help! Did, did, did you move more than two blocks in a second? <laughs> yeah, you're not flying, are you? There's none of that. No flying. No. So, but no. Another thing you can do with it, depending on how you um, you know how you set up with internet and stuff, you can set them up so you can have public access. So you, you can give friends and family access to the drive. So if you want to share massive files, um, and that reminds me, I've got to share some files with you later. Um you can just let them log into the NAS and they can grab the files off there and download it over their own time when their internet allows, you know. So there's all sorts of cool yeah, stuff you can do. you can, can hook do. up Plex to it. Then you can add your friend's Plex accounts to your account and be able to access their Plex devices too and all sorts of things. You can do a Dropbox add-on to it so that every time you upload a file to Dropbox or to a couple of other media um, file sites, OneDrive and a couple of others, it automatically puts that file onto it. So that it's always there and it takes it off. It it sort of puts a like, and if you ever delete it to get more space, you've only got the you know ten gig or whatever the default thing is. You can delete yeah. it off there, but you've still got it sitting on your NAS, so you don't lose the files. You can run your own home mail server if you've got like a Soho business or something. Yep. Yeah, there's so much stuff you can do with NASs. It really comes down to what you want to do with a NAS rather than what you can do with a NAS. Yep. So. But I'll yeah. finish off with my feel-good story. Scientists have shown shocking the tongue. Who hasn't done that with their 9-volt batteries? 9-volt batteries. Battery. <laughs> <laughs> Combined with a carefully designed sound program can reduce symptoms of tinnitus. Not just while patients... I'm sure it does. But... It's because your brain fries for 10 <laughs> seconds while you're doing that. I can't hear anything. <laughs> Not just while the patient's being treated, but to up to one year later. In the team's experiment, 326 people with tinnitus sat up for one hour at a time with a small plastic paddle on their tongue. Tiny electrodes in the paddle delivered an electrical current designed to broadly excite the brain, getting activity going through a number of interconnected regions. The electrical stimulation feels like pop rocks and candy fizzing in your mouth. Yes. Subjects <laughs> also wore headphones that delivered a more targeted hit to the brain's auditory system. Each person heard a rapidly changing series of pure tones at different frequencies against the background noise that sounds kind of like electronic music. Not dubstep. <laughs> not, the, <laughs> not the music I hear when I do it. It sounds nothing like that. The goal of the two together was to distract the brain by heightening its sensitivity, forcing it to suppress the activity that causes tinnitus. The brain can only pay attention to so many things. Mm -hmm. Over 12 weeks of None. treatment, the patient... <laughs> One if you're male. <laughs> Over 12 weeks of treatment, the patient's tinnitus <clears throat> symptoms improved dramatically. More than 80% of those who complied with the prescribed regimen saw an improvement, and they saw an average drop of about 14 points on a tinnitus severity score of 1 to 100. Researchers report in the science translation medicine. When the team followed up after 12 months, 80% of the participants still had lower tinnitus scores with average drops of 12.7 and 14.5 points. It would make sense because it's just a tinnitus is just the nerves going spack in your ears. So if you stop and, and yeah, re, re reprogram, I, I know with mine, Confuse it. Um, certain frequencies set mine off. Like if I'm playing a game or I'm listening to a TV and there's really high pitch frequency, it'll yep. trigger it. Um, and you can listen to white noise and settle it down. So it doesn't surprise me. And I might try because I usually stick a no volt battery yeah, on my white tongue. noise going the whole night while I'm sleeping. Yeah. Um, and I need to address something too. No, putting a nine volt battery on your tongue will not kill you, despite what the internet says. Um, oh, what am I supposed to use now? Twenty four volt battery? Come on! Just, you know how hard it is to get your tongue close to thermal. A twenty four volt car battery. Stick your tongue in a PowerPoint. <laughs> 
Um, but basically, no, it won't do it. A couple of reasons. One is there's not enough amps there to do it. Secondly, it doesn't pass through your body at any point. At any point, the current doesn't go from the positive terminal down around your body and back up to the negative terminal. It literally bridges across the gap across your tongue. So. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't kill you. It does with it my body fat scale, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? uh, um, Yes, it actually it does, but it's uh, an entirely... Well, no, that's a frequency, I think. It uses a radio wave. It doesn't use voltage, I don't think. I can't remember. But yeah, it's same. It, that does actually send a signal right through your body and sees how long it takes to bounce back. It's like a radar. But it's a um, good uh, kickstart in the morning and... <laughs> Especially if it's a short. preparing your first coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean, least resistance. <laughs> you mean I'm not supposed to use it with wet feet? <laughs> so, the part, the path of least resistance is in through this, through the brain and out the other side. Well, that's what I say. If they reckon if you're in an active lightning storm and you're in the middle of a paddock somewhere and like you're the highest thing, so you're going to attract lightning by default. Um, F down. You should. Well, well, that only works if there's something taller than you around. But if you're the tallest thing in the field, they say put your arm up, put your put your right arm up or your left arm up, and your left leg and your whichever arm you've got up, put that leg out to the ground, and it'll cause it'll the it'll cause the... yeah it'll cause the lightning to go down and around past your heart rather than through your heart. So, <laughs> but uh... shocking, shocking. <clears throat> yes. So all right. Well, that'll do it, guys. Um... I think I think we're doing pretty Thanks well. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and now also at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. See the site for details. And also coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Make a one-off donation of any size. Email us, Glenn Will Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. Bye, everyone. See ya. See ya.